That's awesome. Let's uh, go to our Father in prayer. Father, thank you for bringing us here tonight. Father, I pray that um, you would speak clearly through me to these people who you love, people you pursue, people who you gave your life for, people who, um, whether they know it or not, are being called to be with you in your presence, both now and forever. Father, bless each person here. Thank you for this week when we could say thank you. Thank you for all that you do and have done. Thank you for the rich blessings you pour out on us. Father, would you uh, bring healing to Eric as his back is all messed up? Would you please bring healing to him and restore him to health? Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting a series on uh, of sermons kind of dealing with songs, some songs of Scripture, some beautiful songs that that will um, that maybe you don't think of necessarily as a song initially, but they truly are. And we're going to talk about these songs, and um, in the light of the Advent um, season, the word Advent is to come to and to prepare for. So, so Advent is a coming to Jesus coming to us. And our preparation for that, God's preparation for that, God's plan for that. So Advent is always about preparation and, and always about coming, the coming. And the psalm that I want to, the song that I want to uh, speak from is Psalm 23. It's the most familiar psalm. My son read it at my mother's funeral. It's often read at funerals. It's a beautiful song that David writes. These words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This beautiful song of David announces God's great plan, his amazing plan. God prepares from the very beginning to be our personal God. The name for God here is Yahweh. Yahweh was a a name that was so precious and and dealt with God's power and his might and his uh, his hugeness. Um, And and 
and it was so terrifying a name that an Israelite would not say it. They would not use it. He's powerful and mighty. But God is our personal God. He's not just Yahweh, the distant ruler, the faraway God, the God who rules over everything. Although certainly he does all of that. He is also Yahweh, the shepherd, the close-by God, the nearby God, the God who is intimately involved in every moment of our lives, every moment of your life, the God who is incarnate, made flesh, human. He walks and talks with us. He's with us in everything at all times. And the psalm says that because he's with us, we're not in want. (laughs) Want is such a strange thing. I want some stuff for Christmas. Stuff I don't really need. Stuff I can surely live without. For a long time, I have decided that I would like to someday learn how to make creme brulee. So I asked for little creme brulee cups on my Christmas list and one of those torch things, and the cool sugar that you're supposed to burn so I can make creme brulee, because that's like my favorite dessert in the whole world. Like I need dessert. Like I need creme brulee. Like I need any of that stuff. I want it. So I wrote it on a list for my in-laws and my kids and my wife to know what I want for Christmas. But everything on that list is unnecessary. I certainly will live without it. It gets a lot trickier, of course, with want. I want God, I, I, I want grandchildren. <laughs> I really do. But God says no, Mike. Two sons are not married. They don't have children. God said no. I play the role of a grandfather to Tara and Joe Lee, who are Justin's goddaughters, and that's a beautiful thing. They don't call me grandpa because they have birth grandparents, and that name is reserved for them. Those titles are for them, not for me. I play the grandfather role in some of your children's lives. (laughs) That's really cool. But there are way too many of you, by the way. Like, you guys have way too many kids, okay? (laughs) I can't be grandpa to that many kids. So I watch my brother Mark and my sister Miriam as they enjoy their grandchildren with just a little tinge of jealousy. It's 
It's easy to sense that God isn't giving me what I want, that he's depriving me of something, something that I really truly want. But God promises me that he doesn't leave me destitute. He's a good shepherd. He provides what I actually need. He does not leave me in want. Matter of fact, he does more than that. He walks me into pleasant places. The green pastures that are referred to in this psalm are pleasant places. On Thanksgiving, I got to sing songs with Jolie. She calls me Ong, because that's her word for song. And we always sing together. That is a pleasant place. A really pleasant place. This little girl who's missing part of her brain but mimics and listens and can't wait to sing with me. That's a pleasant place. I got to see all my brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces and some of my grandnephews and grandnieces my sister's grandchildren at mom's funeral. We ate dinner together and enjoyed a pleasant place, a beautiful evening of remembering mom and sharing beautiful stories from our past and speaking of our love for each other. What a rich gift to have a family like that. A beautiful gift. A pleasant place. A while back, he allowed me to bring Zeke to a U of A basketball game. (laughs) And to see the joy on a little boy's face as he took all of that in. As he held my hand because he was a little scared. As he pulled a good Wildcat t-shirt over the shirt he was wearing. They got him his own bottled water. (laughs) He was pretty excited about that. Go figure. I promised him a soda. He he said he couldn't have one because it was too late. He was right. (laughs) It was a pleasant place. I have a beautiful community here where I'm deeply loved and thought about and cared for. I have meaningful work to do, two sons that I love, a really good wife, all pleasant places. The shepherd walks me into those places. When I stop looking at what I don't have and remember what I do have, I see his love and grace poured out on me. What about you? Are you in want? Or have you gone blind to his love and care? Sheep are stupid. (laughs) And we're compared to sheep. Sheep are so dumb that if they fall over on their back, they they don't have the sense to roll back over. They will just die. They haven't figured out despite all the evolutionary processes, how to drink water out of a stream that's flowing fast. 
were compared to sheep. Sheep were always wandering off looking for something better, something bigger, something greater than what they have. Is that you? The shepherd leads beside still waters. He knows we need refreshment, soul refreshment. In the midst of our pain and in our suffering and in the midst of our waywardness, in the midst of our sinful demands to quench our own thirst by engaging our addictions and pursuing our evil desires, he leads us by waters that bring life. They're still waters. They're quiet waters. They're waters that the sheep can drink. Where do you run off to when looking for your satisfactions? When you're looking to quench your thirst, when you're looking for refreshment? Run after an addiction, a new addiction, a better addiction? Something you can't live without? Life isn't life unless I have fill in the blank. God as shepherd had a plan. From the very beginning, his plan was and is to restore restore our souls to life. While sin brought death, death to the sheep, the shepherd brings life. This passage talks about um, him leading us in paths of righteousness. The paths referred to these, uh, referred to in here are, are these deep paths. They're the ruts that the uh, animals just constantly walked in. Like when I was uh, back on the farm in Iowa, we called the milk cows up and they always took the little same winding trail up from the pasture and, you know, slowly as they all walked following after each other, they, uh, they would, you know, come to the gate. My dad's collie sport would jump up and unlatch the gate and and then drive him into the barn. Pretty soon those ruts grew deep because they walked the same route every day. Kind of an interesting thing. It's a it's a interesting phenomenon. I, I remember I took Kathy back there uh, to the farm just because I wanted to show her the life that I had lived. Uh, at our first year of marriage, after our first year of marriage, I took her back to Iowa and, and the milk cows saw us and they were confused and so they started running up the trail because they figured it must be time to get milked and she yelled and ran for the fence and said, it's a stampede, it's a stampede. <laughs> I said, they're milk cows. <laughs> Please. When uh, my brother and sister, well, actually both my sisters attended, um, and my brother uh, graduated from Dort College in Iowa, the little town, uh, um, Sioux Center, Iowa, and they have a college there called Dort College. And uh, when they built that college, they had this brilliant idea to not put in any sidewalks. 
they put in no sidewalks at all. None. There was just the door, and then there was grass. Mm -hmm. And for that first year, they didn't have sidewalks. And then they figured out where all the paths had been worn <laughs> by where people walked. And then they poured the sidewalks. They poured all the concrete and made the sidewalks. I was there summer before last, and it was great. You like It was just, it made sense. The shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. These paths are the deep furrows created when we walk regularly in the same patterns. Patterns of prayer. Patterns of reading scripture. Patterns of meditation. Patterns of quieting down. Patterns of worshiping together. Patterns of being in community together. These are the well-worn paths that God invites us into. Are you walking in the deep furrows? Are you making them deeper? <laughs> Are you walking in good places? Familiar places? Or are you running free? We always call that, right? Running free. And paths that lead to death. Life goes through scary places. Death is real. Satan seeks to kill and destroy. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The shepherd knows all about the shadow of death. Our mortality is real. Are you a person who believes that healthy eating and good exercise will somehow save you? Sorry. Are you one of those people who think, if I just don't think about death, it'll somehow skip me? Mm, wrong. See, the thing about death is it's real. <laughs> we decided to have a brief time of viewing of the body of my mom on the morning of the memorial service to remember her and Maybe a third of my family said, my extended family said, there is no way on God's green earth that I'm ever going to look into that casket. I want to remember Grandma the way she was. I want to remember Mom the way she was. I don't want to see it. And the rest were kind of, there was probably another third that was sort of in the camp of, okay, I'll look, but I don't want to. <laughs> And then there were some who wanted to go look so they could be reminded that she wasn't there. I went and looked at the shell that had been my mom and I thought, that's not her. 
She is so not here. She is not here. It's hard. It's hard to see that and to realize that in this world, I will not see mom again. And we long for that to be different, right? We want it to be different. The other morning I woke up and I thought, oh, I'll call mom. And Oh, yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> no, I won't. Forget calling mom. Not going to happen. God's not just a mountaintop God. He's not just the God of the big experience. <coughs> He is the God of the deep, 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 dark ravines. When it talks about a valley here, it's talking about a ravine, a steep-sided ravine. It's, it's dark down there. It's scary. He's, at the God, he's the God who's at your side when no one else is and no one else can be. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He was at my mom's bedside when she could no longer think clearly. When she was lying there with a broken hip. When she couldn't eat anymore. She couldn't drink. And it's at that time you think, well, he's abandoned her. <laughs> but the truth is, is that was when he sat down and held her. We can run off, but he doesn't leave. He doesn't forsake. It's good to remember what transpires in the valley. In the valley of the shadow of death, Enemies are gathered up, up, up on the hill all around. They're, they're staring down and they're plotting to destroy you. It's a very dangerous place. Any movement away from the shepherd exposes you to death and destruction. It's easy when you're faced with trials and tribulations, when you're facing hard things, scary things, to just give it up. To take back control. To think that somehow you have to fight your way through this by yourself. At a time when any movement away from the shepherd brings death and destruction, it's there that the shepherd exercises a special kind of control. He employs his rod and his staff. Whenever I talk about the village, outside of the village, and people say, I'd like to come be part of that, and I say, sure, Rod and his staff will comfort you. <coughs> okay. Sorry. Sometimes you have to throw something in. Okay. The shepherd has a staff and a rod. 
staff is a hook with which the shepherd can reach out and yank you back onto the path. You're a runaway. You're off doing your own thing. But it's in a scary place. And a shepherd takes this, hooks you around the neck, drags you back in. Sweet. Except it hurts. It doesn't feel good to get yanked by the neck. It's not what we want. <laughs> but the shepherd does that because he loves you. He also uses the rod. The rod is a sapling, a small young tree, and the, the root ball of that sapling has dirt and it's, it gets pulled up and then it's, it hardens and it becomes like a club. It becomes a club in the hands of the shepherd. If you keep running, and you keep running off, and you won't be trained, and you won't be allowed, and you won't allow yourself to be loved and cared for and thought about gently, the shepherd breaks your legs. You can remember hearing a story from the shepherd who taught a shepherd who talked about how sheep are just so stupid they just keep running off persistently they run off and how he would break their legs so they couldn't run so they couldn't get away wow that's kind of scary isn't it the times that God has broken my legs the time that God has yanked me back on the path have never been pleasant at the time. They've made me angry. I've always thought, God, you don't care about me. But the truth is, he does. He doesn't want me to die. The shepherd loves you enough to allow you to experience pain and suffering when you try to run from his care. Even then, he never abandons you. Matter of fact, you'll often see a picture of a shepherd who's carrying the sheep. He's carrying you because your legs are broken. Because <laughs> you keep running off. That moron. See, he loves you so much he won't let the enemy devour you. Are you experiencing the pain of God's correction? Hard as it may be to endure, it is a rich, rich gift from the shepherd. Examine your life in this Advent season and determine if you are following the shepherd or if you're running down paths that lead to death. The other thing that happens in the valley is that that's where the shepherd provides a feast, a banquet. Right there in the dangerous places with the enemy all around, God provides what is rich and wonderful and good. If you want to experience true intimacy with God, the God of the universe, I guarantee you it is going to be found 
in the times of deepest trouble. If you recognize it, if you can see it, it's when we're in pain and we're in suffering and, we experience, and, and, and we're experiencing hardship of all kinds, that's when we experience his presence most fully. Or at least we can. I look back on my own life. I've had some struggles and some scary moments. It is in those moments that I experienced the richness of his grace and mercy. I remember when we moved to Phoenix from Iowa, I didn't know anybody. I was a scared kid in a new school. I remember being terrified to go to school, pretending to be sick so I wouldn't have to go. I was nervous. And I remember mom saying, pray about it. (laughs) So I did. And Jesus came to me as an eight-year-old kid. And I got to experience his goodness. And at school, kids befriended me. And then they made me the center of the football team. See, I had never played football. We didn't know about football in my part of Iowa. We didn't ever play that game. We played basketball, but we didn't know about football. So they had asked me, do you know anything about football? And I said, sure. (laughs) Didn't know anything. They said, can you hike the ball? And I said, sure. And they said, in a spiral? And I said, sure. I didn't know what hiking meant. I didn't know what a spiral looked like. I didn't know anything about this. And so the kid said, show us. And I said, well, we probably do it different in Iowa. Why don't you show me first? And I have big hands, and I had big hands back then when I was a little kid, and for some reason that really helped me hike the ball in a spiral, and I was instantly accepted as one of the heroes. I only found out later that no one wanted to be center on the football team. Everybody wanted to be quarterback or wide receiver or some other position. Nobody wanted to be a lineman, but hey, I was accepted. was a scared kid in a new school. I was a scared kid whose dad just died when I was 16. I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know how to grow up. I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) I was scared. a tough time. And I laid on the bed and cried out to God and Jesus came in that room and light filled that room and his presence was so real I can taste it still. I was a scared man not knowing how to be a husband to his wife. I was a scared man not knowing how to be father to his children. 
but God can. In my 30s, I was a scared man dying of an intestinal disease that no one knew what it was. The doctor named it Hugen's disease. It's never good when you have a disease named after you. I lost 60 pounds in a little less than two months. And the doctor sat across from me and said, you're dying and I can't stop it. You need to go home and make arrangements because you don't have long to live. It was a scared man. A scared man facing surgery on his neck. So many scary moments. And in each of those moments, the shepherd comes. The shepherd comes and guides. The shepherd comes and provides. The shepherd invites you to sit down and eat at his table. In every one of those moments, when that doctor looked at me and said, you're dying and I can't stop it, Jesus came and said, I am Lord. I am the ruler of the universe. You are in my hand. That banquet, that intimacy with God comes in those tough times. Not in the great times, oddly, but in the tough times. The shepherd anoints us. Oil becomes a salve which heals the wounds and protects us from the elements. But it's more than just that. It's in the valley that David, King David, gains the confidence in the goodness and mercy of the shepherd. He gains experience in knowing that the shepherd is trustworthy. The goodness isn't just for the moment. It is for all of life. Discover you have an incurable disease. The shepherd is good and merciful. Discover that your spouse is not who you hoped they would be. The shepherd is good and merciful. Discover that you are called to suffering because someone has sinned against you horribly. The shepherd is good and merciful. Lost your job? Didn't get the promotion you'd hoped for? Been abused? Mistreated? Overwhelmed? Overworked? Misunderstood? Feeling empty? Lost? In whatever circumstances you face, the shepherd is good and merciful. And that goodness and mercy is both for this life and the next. Again, it's kind of strange. (laughs) It's kind of strange because it's not how we imagine life to look. I have a house and a spouse and a mouse, I guess, would rhyme. (laughs) If we have all the good things that we imagine, all the things we want, if we have the stuff that we want that's on our Christmas list, then I'll be happy. If I could just have these things, if I could just, if this would just happen, if, if this would just unravel the way I want it to unravel, if, if, if this would, if, 
if my mom would just come and apologize for the mean ways that she treated me, or if my dad had never said those harsh words to me, if I could just, if, 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 if. And Jesus says, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Your parents, your spouse, your children, they're not enough. Your boss, your employer, uh, they're not enough. In everything, Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. I'm the one who holds you. I'm the one who walks with you. I get it. I came to earth. I suffered. I died. I went through everything. The rejection. Everything that you know, I know. Everything. And then there's this beautiful thing called the resurrection. (laughs) I have every confidence that my mother, absent here, is present with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? That is not just for this life. The shepherd isn't just to shepherd you through this life, but this life and the next, through all eternity. The intimate God, the shepherd, the one who loves you and holds you, the one who will hurt you if you need hurting, the one who will carry you when you need carrying, the one who holds you in his hand and never, ever, ever lets go. He's coming. You often think that Advent is about Jesus coming for Christmas. But hey, that already happened. He's already been and gone. Advent is really about he's coming back. He's coming again. He's preparing, he says. He's he's preparing a second coming. He's preparing a place for you. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's creating a space for you, for me, in his house. It's a a cool Hebrew word there for, for that place that he's preparing, that house. It's a family house. It's the, it's the simplest and broadest word that you can get for a family home. He's calling us home. This wasn't just something that he decided spur of the moment. This wasn't something that he decided once things didn't work out. No, Jesus, the Father, the Spirit, whoever answered all three, was right. Advent's about all three. Because they prepared this plan. Because they love you. And they love me. Jesus Jesus is coming again. And that's the power of the story of Advent. Let's pray. Shepherd, thank you. Thank you for loving us, for pursuing us. Shepherd, give us the courage to follow in your ways, to listen to you, to walk in the deep places, the deep ruts, 
Give us faith. Give us hope. Give us courage. And Jesus, both in this life and the next, thank you for being our shepherd. It's in your name we pray.